You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. On today's show, six Kentucky football players charged with first-degree burglary from an incident back in March. We'll give you the latest on that story coming out. Tennessee quarterback Brian Maurer finally announces he's leaving Rocky Top. We'll touch on that and more around the conference. And we'll visit with new SEC Network analyst, former Georgia Bulldog Ben Watson. And lastly, we're going to preview the Ole Miss Rebels today with our buddy Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of the show as soon as it comes out each and every day. And a reminder to check out all of our great podcasts wherever you find along the Locked On Podcast Network. We got Locked On Bama. We got Locked On Bulldogs. We got Locked On Gators. Just about every SEC school. Just search it out and you will find it. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. Report comes out yesterday. Six Kentucky football players charged Thursday with first-degree burglary in connection with an incident at a private party back in March. The Wildcats charged with sophomore safety Vito Tisdale, cornerback Joel Williams, running back Juton McClain, cornerback Andrew Phillips, O-lineman R.J. Adams, and receiver Ernest Sanders. According to police, three uninvited people entered a residence where the party was held and were asked to leave. They became upset, threatened to return, and did so a short time later with additional players. The group forced their way into the residence, police say, and one suspect was observed pointing a firearm at someone. UK Athletics issued a statement Thursday saying the school and the athletic department take these matters very seriously and are closely evaluating the issue. Coach Mark Stoops issued a separate statement saying, out of respect for the legal process, I cannot comment on the charges. We have been aware of this matter since March as we withheld the players from team activities. While a student conduct review was held, based on the outcome of the review, the players returned to activity in June. The Kentucky players, according to a source familiar with the situation, deny that a weapon was present. So, sounds like for Kentucky's purposes, they've known about this for a while. They've looked into it. Forgiven the players, they've moved on. It's now just news to us. It's just being made public, but uh, certainly not uh, details you want getting out there. If you're Kentucky with the season about to start, we'll see how this story plays out. Over in Knoxville, Brian Maurer, he has not been practicing with the Tennessee football team lately, and he was uh, basically ruled out of the starting quarterback battle on Thursday. His move became official as Maurer posted a a message to Twitter thanking fans, coaches, teammates, and staff members, announcing he has officially entered the transfer portal. We'll see where Brian Maurer ends up, but the Tennessee battle at quarterback will continue on between Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, and Harrison Bailey. One of those guys is going to earn the starting job for Josh Heupel. Over in Starkville, Mississippi State, they're dealing with an off-the-field issue of their own. On Thursday, it was reported that walk-on wide receiver Tripp Wilson had been arrested by campus police on Wednesday for driving under the influence. Wilson had originally been stopped by police for speeding and improper equipment. Wilson did not see any game action for the Bulldogs last year and did not have any catches in the scrimmage on August 14th. Over at LSU, a little more than two weeks ago, Miles Brennan broke his left arm and underwent surgery to repair it. 
Still no official timeline on when he will return, but Coach O talking with the media this week said, I think they're going to try and put pads on him as soon as they can, maybe start throwing the ball, I don't know, in a month or something. But I'm not in a hurry. I'm not going to rush it. I want him to be ready. I was told he could come back sometime this season, as early as midseason, and as late as our open date or the Alabama game. But none of that is definitive. In recruiting news, Brian Harson's Auburn staff has had a uh, big day on the recruiting trail. First off, they picked up a four-star safety in Trey Donaldson, and later they added a four-star athlete in Amari Kelly. Kelly is the number 19 overall athlete in the country, while Donald Donaldson is the number 20 safety in the class of 2022. Kentucky, meanwhile, they picked up a commitment for the class of 2023 in Ty Bryant. He's six foot tall, 175 pound, three star, number 43 athlete in the country. He's the son of former Kentucky wide receiver Cisco Bryant, who played for the Cats under then head coach Jerry Claiborne in the early 80s. With a few weeks left until the start of the college football regular season, Sports Illustrated released a list of their 25 most intriguing college football coaches to watch this year. The top spot on their list. New Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian, who of course just left Alabama as their offensive coordinator, but current SEC coaches making the list. They've got Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M at number 25, Brian Harson at Auburn at number 22, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss at number 18, Ed Ogeron at LSU number 14, Nick Saban at Alabama number 9, and Kirby Smart of Georgia at number 5. Don't know what all went into the criteria of being most intriguing college coaches, but I think a lot of people are interested to see what Steve Sarkeesian could do in year one at Texas. Joey Gatewood has found a new college football home. Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports reporting that Gatewood is transferring to UCF where he will reunite with former Auburn coach Gus Malzahn. Once uh, Kentucky named Will Levis their starting quarterback, Gatewood entered the transfer portal and was soon linked to UCF because of his connection to Malzahn, where he began his career at Auburn. COVID-19 reduced a lot of things last year at games, including limited the attendance of College Game Day, ESPN's premier show. There were no fans present, and the crew had a larger-than-normal desk, and most notably, Lee Corso did the show from his house because of his age and uh, safety with COVID protocols and all that. But Corso is heading back on the road this year, according to Awful Announcing. He will return to traveling with the show and do live broadcasts with Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollack, Desmond Howard, and Reese Davis. Corso had a somewhat reduced role last year, broadcasting from his home in Lake Mary, Florida. He's 86 years old, a key piece to the college game day crew. So we look forward to seeing Old coach Lee Corso back on the set. And there you have it. That is around the conference. When we return, our conversation with new SEC Network analyst Ben Watson. Built Bar, still the best tasting protein bar out there. And there is something for everybody. If you don't know the flavors, well, you're missing out. Everything from strawberry to cookies and cream, orange, German chocolate, mint brownie, my favorite, double chocolate. Try them all. And if you haven't tried them all, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of their nine flavors at Built.com. Just go to their website and make sure to use our promo code LOCKED15. You will get 15% off your next order 
when you use the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy as well. 17 to 18 grams of protein packed in there. Calories range from 130 to 180. Only 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go order them today. Get that raspberry, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, whatever it is. And you will be rocking and rolling with Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com. Pleasure to catch up with this guy, former NFL tight end, now joining the SEC Network as an analyst, Ben Watson sitting down with us. Ben, what's going on, man? Nothing much. How are you doing? I'm uh, enjoying this, this time to talking. It's bringing me back like 20 years ago <laughs> when I was an athlete at Georgia and, and came here to the SEC Media Day. Not sure what to expect, but... Uh, it's uh, it's fun. It's the kickoff of the season. Yeah. Well, first off, I got to say I'm disappointed you retired because <laughs> you were one of the few active NFL players older than me, <laughs> and now Drew Brees is retired. So I think it's only Tom Brady now. So I I'm know. feeling really old. I now. know. It's like it's like giving you signs. Like, oh man, this guy's gone. What does that say about me? <laughs> I, I feel you on that. Um, it's funny. I was so my last year in New England. Um, Tom and I, our lockers were next to each other. And so it's funny because it's kind of like we put all the old guys together in one part of the locker room, and that's where we would hang out and have our old, you know, married kids conversations right. before we would go to practice. Uh, but it's incredible, you know, what he's doing. What about interactions with Bill O'Brien? Longtime Texans head coach, of course, was in New England on the offensive side of the ball when you were there. Now he's the OC at Alabama. Any good Bill O'Brien stories? <laughs> Billy O. So, <laughs> so Coach O'Brien, he was there uh, in 2007. He was the wide receiver coach. Right. And 2007, if you can remember, in New England was when we had a record-setting offense. Um, you know, he coached the likes of, you know, Randy Moss and Wes Welker. Um, trying to keep control of that room was a funny thing to see. Um, but definitely one of those fiery guys. It's interesting to see how he has, like other offensive coordinators who were in New England, Brian Dayball kind of made a trip through Alabama before getting back into the league. Right. And so it's kind of interesting when you start to see, you know, being that I'm with SEC Network now and being able to kind of look through and research where everybody's coming from in ways that I hadn't before, yeah. you kind of see patterns <laughs> of who goes where and who's connected to who. Um, and, and seeing how Saban has brought in Billy O, um, Coach O'Brien, it, it, it kind of reminds me of what he did with Brian Dayball. Knowing O'Brien like you do, how is he going to work with Nick Saban? Because we know Bill O'Brien had the nickname Teapot at one point. Because he, <laughs> he could lose it every now and then. You think he's going to keep that temper under control with Saban yelling at him? Um, well, I'll say this. When I was with him in New England, he, he definitely has a temper. Um, but, uh, but you know how to navigate depending on who your boss is. <laughs> and he knew how to navigate in New England. But, again, you know, on the sidelines, at practices, he's going to let you have it. That was, that was something about him. Um, he, he, he didn't take anything less than 100%. He didn't take anything less than perfection. Um, that's a good thing. It can get you in trouble at times. Um, and going to Alabama, <clears throat> in my estimation, from a, just from a cultural standpoint, is probably the closest thing to being in New England that you have in, in those two uh, categories, college and the NFL. And it's almost like, I mean, Lane Kiffin went through it. It's like when he's standing there yelling at you, you got to keep your mouth shut because you know this is going to lead to the next big gig. So, you know what, just buy <laughs> your got, time. This and, guy grin and bear it. Yeah, this exactly. Bear it, yeah. It, it will be an interesting dynamic to see. Um, you played with two of the greats. We're talking with Ben Watson, former NFL tight end now, SEC Network analyst. Uh, you pay, play with two of the greats, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, for many years. What makes both of those guys so great at what they do? Is it, is it just the work ethic? 
they are who they are. You know, they don't try to be somebody that they're not. Um, from a, from a, um, I guess, a, a work ethic standpoint, from a personality standpoint, they've both found what can make them ultimately successful, and they do it. Um, Tom is notorious for his body work. Um, the, the team that he has around him physically, he, he knows what his body needs, and he committed himself to it a long time ago. And he's also a freak. He's also 6'6", and very nimble and can throw, you know, has a cannon for an arm and all those very smart, all those sorts of things. So he has a lot of physical attributes, but he's found what works for him. Drew the same way. Drew is the type of guy that I compare Drew to Chuck Norris sometimes. Like this dude <laughs> can go out there, throw for 400 yards, then he can go hit a, hit a, a baseball over the fence left-handed. He'll go ra- whitewater rafting and wrestle an alligator. <laughs> like he's that type of dude that you, that you, he's that type of friend that you want to get you out of a mess. And so, um, very different, but they're very special in that they are. They also really know how to connect with their team. Kind of cool that that he'll be entering the broadcast booth too. The same time yeah, you, you kind of yeah. I talked to him a couple of days ago. I said, "Man, I'm going to SEC Media Days. Uh, this is my first chance at this." And, and so we kind of had some conversations about. He's obviously going to NBC and going to be doing a whole lot with them. Um, definitely one of the guys that I truly, truly respect and enjoy playing with. How excited are you to step into the broadcast booth, start breaking down plays, analyzing what you're seeing? Uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be different. It's different looking at the game from this side of it. Um, it's also different going back to college. So I've been in the NFL for the last 16 years. The only college games I looked at were, you know, surrounded around the SEC, but really around Georgia. And so, you know, this is a whole new culture, a whole new rosters, different storylines. Um, been up in the room the last two days just, just – Mulling through, um, <laughs> mulling through rosters and who's here. This new coach is there, this, that, and the other, just trying to familiarize myself. Um, but I'm excited for the new opportunity for growth. You've been involved in, in tons of great efforts off the field in the community. What made you want to be so involved in kind of giving back to, to the community? Um, I really believe in citizenship. I believe in being uh, responsible for what the Lord has given you. I believe in using your platform. I believe in standing for justice. Um, I, I believe in faith. You know, I, I believe in family and all those sorts of things and, and marriage. And my wife and I have seven kids, and we want to be examples to our kids of people who care about others, you know, people who are willing to be an advocate for the voiceless and whatever, whatever realm that is. Um, you know, we believe in passing on blessings that we have received. And so uh, the great thing in my career, I've, I've partnered with a lot of people who feel the same way. And the clubs that I've been on have been avenues for me to get involved with so many other things. And so, you know, you, you do what the Lord prompts you to do. And you do it boldly. You walk through those doors and you pray that he, um, you know, blesses it. But you stay on mission. Real quick, do you feel like some of the current players kind of miss that? I mean, like, are, are they missing the point and not staying focused on things off the field? Uh, well, well, I would say that you have a combination. Like, you have some players who are heavily involved off the field in different ventures. Um, some that are popular, you know, some ventures that are popular, some issues that aren't so popular. But you also have guys who, just like any, any workplace, you have people that, you know, could care less. Yeah. And that's fine. I don't think that every player has to be involved in everything. I do think, however, if there's something that pricks your heart, something that is a passion of yours, um, as an athlete, you pay taxes, you vote, you know, you deal with everything every other American deals with. You just happen to be paid to play whatever sport you are. <laughs> You should have a voice wherever you want to have it. Longtime NFL tight end Ben Watson, now joining the SEC Network as an analyst. Thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you. When we return, we'll preview Ole Miss with Nick Suss.
It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You get all the latest odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head over to their website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and you receive a 100% welcome bonus. When you use our promo code Locked On, if you've never signed up before, take advantage of their opening day super promo. You make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Bucks and the Cowboys, and if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, they are your online sportsbook experts. Good to see our buddy Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger sitting down with us for a couple of minutes. Ole Miss, takeaways from what Lane Kiffin had to say. Um, Ole Miss has gotten to a point where people are talking about Ole Miss, the football team. Uh, the, the last couple of SEC media days I'd covered, and even heading into last year, the spectacle has been more about you hire Lane Kiffin, or you're on probation, or you're off probation, or what's happening with the probation. Now I think Ole Miss is finally a team that people are talking about as... Yeah, this is a football team. This is a team that has a chance to win some games this year. And Yeah, the defense really needs to take a step forward. It probably needs to take two or three steps forward. But if this defense can go from being the 125th best defense in the country to merely being the 70th best defense in the country, there's no reason to think this team can't win some games. You need to win some coin flips. That's what I've been saying all weekend is you need one or two players that 50-50, they'll be great to hit the 50. But if you get those players, if you get what you need from those guys, Ole Miss has a schedule that shakes out that you can win some key games against some teams and and find yourself by November being among the ranked teams in the SEC. Uh, Bet Online just set out their latest Vegas odds for Heisman chances, and I'm looking at four, five, six, seven, eight. Matt Corral is eighth on yeah. the list, eighth best odds, sixteen to one to win the Heisman. I mean, when's the last time we were talking an Ole Miss player in Heisman? Is it Eli? It probably would be Eli. I mean, maybe Chad Kelly got a little bit of love after beating Alabama, but yeah, it's that's pretty consistent with almost every odds maker. When I, when I looked at BetMGM, when I've seen Bet Online, when I've seen the DraftKings book, almost everybody has Corral in that eighth place slot. And sometimes he'll be seventh, sometimes he'll be ninth or tenth. But yeah, I, I mean, if you look among the SEC quarterbacks, obviously the Heisman odds are better for Bryce Young, but Bryce Young's never started a game, so you still have to be in some place of believing that Corral is your preseason all-SEC quarterback just based on what he did last year. The problem with talking Corral-Heisman odds is he was too good last year to win the Heisman. I I went through it. Every Heisman Trophy winner ever, every quarterback who's ever won the Heisman Trophy, if you look at passing yards from the previous season, yards per game, yards per attempt, touchdowns per game, the only quarterback ever who's won a Heisman Trophy having a better statistic in one of those areas than Matt Corral was Baker Mayfield. Wow. The Heisman tends to not as much be a career trophy. It, it happened with Baker. It didn't happen with Andrew Luck. It didn't happen with Trevor Lawrence. It never happened with Tua. It is a one-year award, and it's more impressive to be a one-year guy like a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson who seemingly comes out of nowhere 
than it is to do it what Corral did. Sure, Corral could take a huge step forward, and if he goes from having 12 interceptions to three, if, if he does that sort of thing, yeah, he'll be in the conversation. But if I have a hunch, I'm going to say... Ole Miss is going to run the ball a lot more than people are expecting yeah. this year. Like, a lot They more. were more balanced last year than people remember. They I were mean, the number one rushing <laughs> offense in the SEC. They led the SEC in rushing yards per game That's last unbelievable. Year. Nobody, like, people don't even, because you think of Matt Corral and the gunslinger, and I call him mini Brett Favre. I mean, he just lets it fly, but. Corral ran for 500 yards last year. <laughs> like, this was, this was a guy who was as much of a dual threat as people, like, predicted Plumlee would be. Yeah. And clearly, Plumlee was a thousand-yard rusher the year before, but, like, Corral, in an SEC only schedule ran for 500 yards and four touchdowns and Kiffin said yesterday I don't want Corral running that much I don't want him <laughs> taking these hits but I mean yeah you have Jerry Ely you have Snoop Connor and you have Henry Parrish three proven running backs I think Jerry Ely is going to play some in the slot some at running back he's really going to be an all-purpose player but the four offensive linemen starters returning and a fifth guy from the transfer portal who started every game the last two years for Utah Umana. Yeah, Umana. So you're going to have five really experienced offensive linemen and three really gifted, experienced running backs. I think that the main knock against Corral, if you're talking about, oh, does he have a shot at the Heisman, is Ole Miss isn't going to throw the ball 70% of the time. I remember talking with you prior to last season, and you were, you know, you, you, you said they got some experience at wide receiver, but we just didn't really know. I mean, we knew Elijah Moore could be good and, and very much was. But with the guys they're bringing back, Braylon Sanders, Jonathan Mingo, I mean, can these guys pick up where last year's class left off? Maybe. It's possible. Braylon Sanders is so much of a great unknown with his injury history that those of you with long memories might remember when DK Metcalf broke his spine in 2018, Braylon Sanders was the guy who came in and replaced him. Yeah. That's how long he's been supposed to be the next man up. Two games later, Braylon Sanders gets hurt. Elijah Moore comes in and emerges as the next great Ole Miss receiver. Braylon Sanders has had three straight years where injuries have severely limited him. And now he's kind of got to be the guy. Dontario Drummond, I feel like, kind of is what he is. I think he's a pretty darn good number two or number three receiver. I'd be a little surprised if he jumped to be the number one, but... He could be. He very well could be. And then uh, Jonathan Mingo, a little bit of a disappointment through his first two years on campus, but he hasn't been asked to do too much. I I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger when it comes to catching at the point of attack and, and being a little more, having a little bit more of the finesse and skill because he has everything physically. He, he can bully just about any DB. But, yeah, the big unknown with Ole Miss is is somebody going to be that number one receiver? Yeah. Or is Kiffin going to do what he's done in the past with a running back like a Derrick Henry or even like a Kenyon Drake or a Devin Singletary at FAU where the entire offense runs through a running back instead of through a quarterback or a receiver? Talking with Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger, it, we saw him just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Alabama for about three quarters last year. Yeah. Defense just let up and Alabama, you know, steamrolled through him in the fourth quarter. But these first three games, you open with Louisville on a neutral field, they get Austin P, you get Tulane, and then you go on the road at Alabama. Does this set up, I mean, these three, I don't want to call them tune-up games because Louisville's a pretty good team, but, like, theoretically, could these three tune-up games be what can prepare them to take on Bama in week four? Maybe. And what I've said about Louisville all week is I think this is a very different game if it's played in November. I think Louisville's coming off of, like, a rough year last year, but yeah. you know who else had a rough year in 2020? 
every person. (laughs) So I'm not going to hold 2020 against Louisville. Yeah. I am going to say Scott Satterfield's got a great track record as a head coach. Louisville's defensive coordinator, who came with Satterfield from App State, Ole Miss grad. Uh, Ole Miss fans know him very well. Um, Louisville's going to be a pretty okay team. And I think right now the spread is eight points in Ole Miss's favor for that opener. I think maybe it should be closer than that. I think Louisville's a little better than people are giving them credit. And I think that what you're alluding to is something that Ole Miss fans might be kind of victim to, is kind of looking past Louisville, looking past Tulane, looking past Austin P. Maybe that's fine. Maybe Ole Miss is a team that can start looking past early season opponents. Uh, if you'll recall, 2019, they went to Memphis game one and they didn't win that game. Right. In two years, to go from being a team that loses at the Liberty Bowl on August 31st or whenever that game was played to being a team now that the fan base isn't really taking Louisville that seriously, that's a pretty hefty jump. Yeah. But I think that you do have to pay attention to that Louisville game. I, I think there's no question about that because, man, that's, that's too good of a program with too much talent to just say... Yeah, throw it in the bunch with Austin P. Ole Miss beat writer for the Clarion Ledger, Nick Suss. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at Nick Suss. Brings you great insight covering the Ole Miss beat. Also, time to time, covers the SWAC and Jackson State and writes great stories about them as well. Nick, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Always happy to help, Chris. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. My thanks to Ben Watson. My thanks to Nick Suss. We'll be back with you guys next week, getting you ready for game week. Not yet SEC game week, but it will be week zero in the college football schedule next week. Hawaii, UCLA among the the games that will be played next week. So football, we'll have it next week. We'll also dive deeper into starting to preview all your favorite SEC teams getting ready for the start of the SEC football season. I'm Chris Gordy. I'll talk to you guys on Monday right here on Locked On SEC. And a quick reminder, betting on the SEC doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling, get daily picks and Lee's lock of the day. Follow Locked on Bets brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.